Is your life lacking purpose? Welcome to the Wikipedia podcast. I am Kyle. And I am your host, Micah Sample. And we're going to be talking about Rick Warren today. This is going to be our first of what we're calling uh, profile episodes. Wikipedia, the website, deals with profiles on woke people. And so, Micah, what can people expect from these episodes? Well, Kyle, um, I want to welcome everyone first and foremost to our first ever profile episode of the Wikipedia podcast. Um, for those of you who are familiar with enemies within the church um, and Wikipedia itself proper, um, you'll know that uh, we've developed many well-researched and abundantly sourced uh, woke profile articles on our website um, for you to peruse so that you can understand who the enemies within the church are. And uh, these profile episodes are our way of breaking down the information that we've gathered um, in the process of making those articles for you in an auditory format so that uh, you guys can hear um, and understand and listen um, to uh, what's going on in the church world regarding um, these wolves in shepherd's clothing. So um, one of the things that we really want you to take away from this is um, we're not out here just trying to attack people. What we're doing is we're trying to <laughs> discern um, the the right from the wrong, the good fruit from the bad. Um, and this is for your sake. Ultimately, this isn't for um, our sake. It's not for our glory. It's for the glory of God and for your benefit. So uh, that's that's uh, basically it, Kyle. That's what we're doing today. Yeah. And so for this first episode, we're going to be applying all of that to Rick Warren, uh, SBC megachurch pastor, uh, one of the largest churches in the country, one of the richest pastors in the country, author of one of the best-selling books of all time, A Purpose-Driven Life, uh, which he spun into a massive, massive, uh, I don't know if he'd call it a ministry, but series of books, of studies, of everything you can imagine that have sold hundreds of millions of units. Uh, he is massively influential, and you have probably been influenced by him, even if you don't know. He has gotten around. So we need to talk about him because ooh, he's got some things and he's got enough things that we put him on wikipedia uh yeah so like where did he first go wrong because he's got he's got woke stuff we're going to talk about that but but micah like what what kind of foundation did he lay that led him into wokeness? Yeah. That, that's a really good question, Kyle. I think that first and foremost, the basis of every Christian's theology is uh, is his understanding of the gospel, right? So 
naturally, um, if Rick Warren has a firm foundational understanding of what the gospel really is, um, it's going to be much less likely that he's going to be, uh, I guess, swept aside by all of these woke um, fads that are going on in our culture. But the reality is this, that Rick Warren has an insufficient gospel. And so he begins in the wrong place. It, the, the, it, here, here's the thing, folks. If you start with the wrong gospel, then you're going to end up wrong in basically every other area of life. And that's not a slippery slope fallacy. That's just the reality of what it means to live in a world that is created by God. So Rick mm -hmm. Warren, um, one of the interesting things about him is that he's been criticized by the likes of um, other megachurch pastors like John Piper, or not John Piper, John MacArthur, um, for his insufficient gospel. Really what's happened is he's cheapened it to mean something less than what it really means. Um, you talked about a purpose-driven life. We, you talked about that book, which spawned um, essentially an entire ministry that spans multiple campuses, um, multiple sites. And in fact, it's, it's something that transcends Rick Warren's um, church network. It, it really has influenced, influenced oh, yeah. the entire United States um, of America in terms of the evangelical base. So in that book, he talks about something kind of like the sinner's prayer when he talks about what it means to become a Christian, but he excludes the language of sin and the necessity of repentance for someone mm -hmm. who is saved. So instead, and, and I'll quote him here for, for us so that I, so that you guys know that we're not just pulling this, um, pulling this up out of nowhere. He says this in his book, wherever you are reading this, I invite you to bow your head and quietly whisper the prayer that will change your eternity. Jesus, I believe in you and I receive you. Go ahead. If you sincerely meant that prayer, congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. That's it. That's, that's his entire gospel presentation, Kyle. So now, I don't know about you, but I see ever, several problems. Does he ever there. establish like what sincerely meaning it means? Like, does he establish that at least? Um, from what I understand, he doesn't really explain um, the reality of sin, and that's what causes all human beings to be destined to an eternity apart from God in hell without his intervention through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, he doesn't really explain that entrance into the family of God is salvation from an eternity apart from the blessings and goodness of God in hell. Um, really, he doesn't even explain that saving faith, um, in Jesus Christ, isn't just this mental ascent. Um, Jesus, I believe in <laughs> you and I receive you. He doesn't really go into any more detail than that. Um, it's something that is, a, it's a life change, but he doesn't really explain why that's the case or what the mechanisms are. And now I don't ex expect everyone who's trying to introduce other people to the kingdom of God to do so in, in the King James English. You know, I, I don't expect them to have uh, all, uh, to explain the hypostatic union and everything in severe detail when they give their gospel presentations. But if you don't even give that, if you don't even give a, an understanding of the fact that, hey, sin separates you from God for eternity, but God has made a way through Christ Jesus for you to get saved, um, that's, 
it, it, through, through his death, burial, and resurrection, his, his substitutionary death on your behalf, that's a huge problem. And that's going to mislead people into thinking, hey, I'm a Christian. I said that I believe in Jesus and I receive him. Well, what if you're receiving the Mormon Jesus? You're not well, really receiving Jesus at all. Yeah. And, and that's another thing. We'll get into this later. But it, th this very, very, um, very, very narrow definition of what it means to be saved, this idea that it's both narrow and broad. It's narrow in the sense that all that's required is this is this little belief in Jesus. But it's it's broad in the sense that that can mean just about anything that opens the door mm -hmm. for um, believing in Jesus in, in just uh, about any number of ways that you can think of. Um, and that includes every religious other religious statement that you could make where you can say, I believe in Jesus. Muslims can say that. Muslims can say, I believe in Jesus as a prophet. Um, <laughs> and they can say, I receive Jesus as a prophet. It, it, it's a, it's a huge problem, Kyle. It's a huge problem. Well, and that's, I mean, this is not going to be the last time we say this. And it's not even the first time that we've said this. It is one of the things that woke people do. They uh, degrade language. They tear it down and make it lesser rather than using clear, precise language, defining their terms, making it uh, perfectly unambiguous what they mean. They will make it squishy, wishy-washy. Yeah. They will just intentionally design it and with rick warren that is very specific he everything with him is intentionally designed he is the king of marketing he is the leader of what was called the seeker sensitive movement uh which was basically reforming a, i'd call it a proto woke movement it's reforming the church to appeal to uh society to unsaved people uh rather than to appeal to god and god's laws but they use this language that if you are an orthodox uh, conservative Christian, you can read it. And if you read it just quickly at face value, your mind will reinterpret it correctly because it will mm -hmm. see some of the correct language and it'll fill in the gaps. Mm -hmm. But if you're not, it'll lead you straight into error. But it's designed in a way so that he can hook in both the people that would normally reject the message, but also hook in the people that have a correct view, and then he can warp those people into his beliefs as well. It's, well, Rick Warren is a king of pseudo-psychological, uh, therapeutic battle. Yeah, it's going to make you feel good. It's very close That's exactly to a right. sort of power of positive thinking type message. Uh, he is a Baptist version of Joel Osteen. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he really is. Yeah, I mean that's not an exaggeration. You're you're exactly right. No. And for and, anyone and curious, here's the other uh, uh, purpose driven life in and of itself. I, I looked it up to be sure has sold over 50 million copies. Just that one book, uh, not the study guides, not the spinoff books, not anything else. Uh, 
that's how big of an impact we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And and here's one of the things that um that I found really interesting when we were doing this research on um Rick Warren. So um the Capstone report uh published an article where they quoted a political science scientist by the name of Francis uh, Fukuyama um, in his book Identity, where he criticizes Rick Warren um, for cheapening the biblical language into this kind of language that you're describing here, Kyle. And, and there's, um, there's a quote in here that I, I really like, because you're talking about the seeker-friendly movement here. Mm -hmm. um, Francis says this, this is typical of seeker-friendly churches, um, or sorry, hold on. Uh, Rick Warren, whose church growth movement has transformed many thousands of evangelical churches in recent decades, thousands, by the way, that's my yeah. emphasis there, has put forth a similar therapeutic message. His trademark purpose-driven life movement emphasizes the importance of pastors attending to the felt needs of non-believers, de-emphasizing traditional Christian doctrine in favor of an overtly psychological language. So, so what are we witnessing here, Kyle? Are, are we just witnessing um, what it means to be all things to all people, or is there something darker going on with that? Well, there's something way darker. I mean, he's, he's in reality, he's creating, not creating, he created a uh, pseudo-Christian cult mm. that, a, a, I mean, it goes back to the, uh, like, Christian science and all of the other uh, cults that came out of the end of the 19th century that were, you know, blending this new thing of uh, science, which science wasn't, wasn't new, but all the new sciences that were coming out, like psychology, with things like Christianity to develop uh, these new religions that were all about numbers and profit and uh, growth. He's just reinventing uh, that model and mm -hmm. infecting Christianity with it. He's just done it with much more of a veneer of authentic Christianity, much mm -hmm. more of using the language in a better way to confuse people. But so, so sorry, go ahead. It, well, I was just going to say, I'm sure. St people are, are asking, so Rick Warren is a problem. He's a false teacher, but that's not what Wikipedia is about. Where's the wokeness? Can we get, mm -hmm. where's the wokeness in Rick? Now, is there wokeness in Rick? Um, absolutely, there's wokeness in Rick. So, so we've talked about this idea of, um, him essentially being a seeker sensitive guy. So he's got an insufficient mm -hmm. gospel that doesn't talk about sin. Um, and then he uses therapeutic language over biblical language to emphasize and, um, and kind of coddle the felt needs. And, and that's how they put it of, um, of people who might not even be actually, most of them aren't even believers. So really what we have is someone who is specifically trying to pander to the emotions um, mm -hmm. this is what pastor Kerry Gordon, um, who is the face of, uh, our film calls, uh, Sola feels <laughs> it's, it's this idea that by feelings alone, we ought to operate. And this is the, this is what we see 
him doing. And he does it not just in terms of his definition of what it means to be um, saved, what it means to um, pray to Jesus and say that you believe in him. Um, it really, this comes down to a, um, this expresses itself in his his way of syncretizing Christianity with other religions, um, specifically Islam, and it, it goes into his globalistic worldview. So he is not a localist. He is not. He doesn't recognize um, the biblical statement that God has appointed the times and places and the boundaries for people to live. Um, he has this notion that really we need to be seeking a one-world order, and the church can be helping us. Um, in producing that. I mean, this week we've seen some incredible things with um, Biden spokespeople saying that uh, we just kind of have to put up with uh, gas prices uh, for the sake of the liberal world order. Well, this is the same thing that uh, Rick Warren is has been pushing for a while. Um, and I think that there's a lot to go into with that. But Kyle, why don't we start with Chris Lom? We know that Chrislam is this idea of syncretizing Christianity in Islam. How do you see Rick Warren playing into um, that uh, as a as a as a um, as a figurehead for the Chrislamic movement? I know that he well, would deny Chrislam. I know that he would say that that's not what he's doing, but in reality, it seems to me that it's that's entirely what he's doing, whether he wants to call it Chrislam or not. Kyle, what do, what do you see as his role in this? Well, he's definitely, he's, he became, he tried, he's tried to distance himself from it to a degree, mm -hmm. but just like with, I mean, with pretty much everything with Rick Warren, you'll see this, this waffling when he's called out on something, he'll kind of back off. But then when the eyes turn away, when the parents aren't looking, he'll run right back to it. Uh, yeah, people don't hold him accountable to what he said and what he's done, uh, and that, that, that's a big thing in Christianity in general. We're, we don't hold people accountable anymore. Mm. Not that we just condemn them. No, you hold them accountable. You must give an account for what you've said and what you've done. But Rick has—he's uh, been a big proponent of interfaith dialogues, so mm. dialogues between different faiths, in this case, Christianity and Islam. Uh, and he's done a lot but of Kyle, partnerships. Why, why is that bad? Why, what's wrong well, with, uh, what's wrong with interfaith dialogues? Don't we want to be so, dialoguing with all these other people? Isn't that good evangelism? Yes. And this is where the language thing comes in that we already talked about. This is where uh, these woke people will get you off course They'll use mm -hmm. a term that sounds good, interfaith dialoguing. Yeah, I am dialoguing with people of different faiths. Shouldn't every Christian be doing that because we want to preach the gospel to them? That's not what he means. It's interfaith mm. cooperation, interfaith uh, alliancing, us joining with one another for unified causes, that there's something bigger than uh, the differences between us. And this is what Rick has been a huge proponent of, what he has been pushing. It's not a... Because he, 
he's he's made it very clear. He's not going to step on the toes of and try and convert Muslims that he's partnering with. And, you know, they're supposed to follow that same rule. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure <laughs> I would hold them to that. Uh, but in fact, I wouldn't hold anyone who holds a sincere religious belief to an unwritten rule of you don't try and convert me. I won't try and convert you. Then you probably don't have a sincerely held religious belief. That's right. Which yeah. Rick doesn't, but uh, I mean, isn't the, isn't that the epitome of wickedness? Though, if you think about it, it's like okay, I believe that Jesus is the one and only Savior um, for whosoever will come to Him, confess with their mouths that they are sinful, and that He is their Savior and Lord, um, and turn and repent of their sins uh, towards Him and be regenerated by the Holy Spirit. I, I, if I believe that He is the one and only Savior then if I'm not preaching that to other people, if I'm not trying to convert them to following Christ, then I'm hating them really, because (laughs) it doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter um, whether I'm nice to them. Really what matters is the fact that I don't care enough about them to, um, to talk with them about uh, the, the fact that Jesus is the one and only savior. I don't care enough to evangelize. That's yeah. hatred. That's not love. It is. But this and is let's exactly talk about what, what Rick Warren's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk yeah, about what, what does he do when he's given a platform? What does he do when he's given a gigantic platform and an opportunity to spread that message, the message of the gospel? Uh, he, many people may remember this. He prayed at Obama's inauguration. He gave the inaugural prayer. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me. And so he's given this huge opportunity. Now, I think it's concerning that Obama would go, Rick Warren, you're <laughs> safe you enough. Prayer? <laughs> yeah, you're safe enough that I can ask you. Uh, <clears throat> but in his inaugural prayer, uh, <clears throat> Rick Warren prays, I humbly ask this in the name of the one who changed my life. He's not, he's making it very clear. This is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the name of the one who changed my life, Yeshua, Isa, uh, which is the Islamic name for Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, who taught us to pray our father. Oh boy. I mean, do, mm. do we need to unpack what he just said there? Do we need to unpack the the twin problems of not preaching the gospel and saying that well that the Islamic view of Jesus that the uh, I, I'm I'm assuming that when he says Yeshua then Isa then Jesus then Jesus he's trying to apply with saying Yeshua he's not just saying the Hebrew name for Jesus, but he's trying to appeal to Jews. Yes, I think that's exactly they right. They reject Jesus, but <laughs> they they do. He's saying that all these religions have course, the but... same Jesus. That's yeah, so and bad. that's that's exactly what he's saying. So he's he's utilizing all of these names in an attempt to be uh, intercultural and and multi faith. And so when he says to the one who changed my life. 
he's referring to Jesus in this most generic possible way. Let me tell you something, folks. The God of Islam is not the same as the God of Christianity, and the Jesus, that is God, of um, Islam is not the same as the Jesus of Christianity. Isa is not Jesus. I mean, you could make the argument that, oh, I'm just using the Arabic word or the Arabic translation of the name Jesus. I mean, Jesus is itself just a Latin translation of his name, right? So why are you getting all pressed about this? Well, the fact is, he's t the context makes it very clear that when Rick Warren is praying this at the inaugural prayer, um, picked handpicked by Barack Obama, right? Um, he is utilizing all of these different names for Jesus in, in such a way that it doesn't offend anybody. But here's the reality. Jesus is going to offend people who reject him. If you preach the gospel rightly, if you preach who Jesus is, instead of just utilizing all of these different names for him in these various languages, you're going to have some people who are going to be um, rather upset at you. Because the fact is that Jesus, not just being a prophet, spits in the face of Islam. It really does. Mm -hmm. um, because Islam specifically mentions that Jesus is not God. But Christianity yep. makes the counterclaim that Jesus is God. He is a person in the triune Godhead. And he is fully God and fully difference. Man. Fundamental difference. Mm -hmm. And really that gets into the question of who is God? Because Jesus is God according to Christianity, but not according to Islam. Can that God even be the same person? Well, they try to make this argument, um, the, these people who are uh, into this uh, interfaith dialogue, many of them, especially on the Christian side, because it tends to be woke Christians who engage in these interfaith dialogues, they try to make the argument that um, the Islamic God is the same as the Christian God, and the Judeo God is the same as the Christian God. But the fact is, without Jesus, you don't have God, because Jesus is God. It's like saying, like, well, um, I don't, there's not even really a comparison. It, it's just, it's fundamentally misidentifying whoever you're talking about. I had a professor when I was in college who, who tried to persuade me that um, that Christians and Muslims worship the same God. And uh, his name was David Riggs. He was the dean of the, he is the dean of the John Wesley Honors College. He tried to persuade me that Jesus is, uh, or that, that the God of Christianity is the same as, as God of Islam. And uh, he compared it to Republicans and Democrats talking about Barack Obama. Obviously, if Republicans talk about Barack Obama, they're going to sound very different than Democrats talking about Barack Obama. But, you know, deep down, they're, they're you know, they're all talking about the same person. Uh, I countered back with, a, with this uh, argument that, okay, what if we're talking, what if we are talking about Barack Obama, but the Barack Obama that I'm describing is a white dude who lives in the Vatican and is the Pope. I'm not talking about Barack Obama anymore, even if I'm using that same name, am I? And obviously he didn't really have a, a good response to that. He just kind of um, dodged that whole point. But the, the reality is that Christians and Muslims worship a different God. I can't make that any more clear. I just can't. Fundamental um, and so, difference. Yes. And so when he prays like this, he's kind of making it sound like, 
really we're talking about the same Jesus. We're talking about the same God, if you're a Christian, but we're not. We're not. When I talk with a Muslim about who Jesus is, I'm not talking about um, their Isa because Isa is not Jesus. Fundamentally, they are two different characters. One of them actually existed in history, the Christian God. The Christian Jesus was incarnate as a man on this very earth. That actually happened. The events described in the Quran and the Hadith about Isa, um, no, that's it's not describing the same um, historical reality. It's not. Um, one of them is false. I, I, I might just be going on a tangent there, but really I, we need to hammer that point home because Rick Warren is so influential in Christianity today, not, not the publication Christianity today, but modern Christianity, specifically in America, that other people who see him doing things like this, who, who have watched him give that inaugural prayer, are going to, to, to inevitably be influenced by him. And so we need to be warning people about this. That's, that's why we're doing this. And <clears throat> I think one quote that kind of summarizes Rick Warren's attitude, and this is why he's very slippery on these things. Uh, but when you drive down to what is his underlying principle, the philosophy that he applies, uh, you cannot win your enemies to Christ. You can only win your friends. That, folks, that's not in the Bible. Nowhere <laughs> is there that in the Bible. In fact, we see more often than not enemies. In fact, we were all enemies. Christ came to us. Did he make friends with us? Mm. Did, he, did he make friends with us? And then hope that that friendship would lead to salvation. No. He if came if to you us love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Mm -hmm. that, that's what Jesus had to say about this. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? But the, and he also tells us to love our enemies. Now, we, we don't mean that in the woke sense. And Jesus didn't mean that in the woke sense. But it, it, this is exactly what you're getting at here, Kyle. If you're not yeah. sharing the gospel, if you're not willing to offend your enemies with the love of Christ, that is with the truth of the gospel message, which includes part, you know, which includes sin as a fundamental part of understanding the gospel. It includes the law of God in the fact that we transgress against it um, as, as, a, as a fundamental basis for our understanding of why Jesus had to come to earth to be incarnate as a man in the first place, if we don't share that, we're not loving our neighbor. We are not loving our enemies as Christ commanded us to. Well, that, and that's a key pillar of the woke movement. Key pillar. We have to compromise our beliefs to the point where they are non-existent so that they do not offend those outside mm. of Christ. We have to absorb the culture so far in this, you know, attempt to reach the culture that there's no, there's no biblical truth left. Mm. And Rick is one of these woke people, one of these, the, you know, these enemies 
within the church that he doesn't have that overt, that overt wokeness in the sense that we might immediately think of it. And we most immediately think of wokeness in the, in the racial sense. Yeah. Uh, but, or, or the sexual slash gender sense. One of those two is yeah. what we think of now. But Which, there's a lot more to it. That's exactly right. Yeah, he, he's still got those things. But his his breed of it is just as insidious and will compromise you in the exact same ways. Mm-hmm. He's another prong of the attack that is the new form of liberalism in the church, uh, the Marxist infiltration. Now, on the Marxist front, Micah, at the risk of of starting a a long, uh, I'd say probably get into rant territory, <laughs> doesn't he have some designs for the future of the world? Yeah, he absolutely does. So it, it's interesting in that... Um, he is a pretty much a full-fledged globalist. Um, he's not hiding that. So this is where no. he kind of transitions from this, uh, from this, I guess, uh, how would you describe it? This subtle woke uh, Rick Warren into this like full-blown, all right, I'm just straight up a globalist and I'm going to tell you how we're going to do this great world, this new world order thing in the great reset. You know, that's the kind of person that he is. Um, yeah. So he tra- we transition from talking about um, his kind of therapeutic language and then how he applies that when he's trying to be seeker sensitive and then how the seeker sensitive movement um, influenced his view of Islam and how that kind of creates this melding of things in Chris, in the Chris Islamic movement that is absolutely heretical um, to all right, Rick Warren is now utilizing all of those things in the service of his globalist narrative. So um, when it comes to globalism, utilizing the events of the COVID-19 phenomenon, whatever you want to call it, uh, Rick Warren identified global giants, which he believed uh, to be the biggest problems on the planet. And so he spoke about these at the uh, in a video for the World Economic Forum. Now, that is the same World Economic Forum, the Klaus Schwab organization that is promoting the Great Reset. You know, the one where you're going to you're going to own nothing and be happy about it. Yeah, that is that exact same organization. He produced a video for them um, talking about these uh, global giants and he and he lists them off extreme poverty, pandemic diseases, illiteracy corruption and spiritual emptiness. Um, notice how vague that is, by the way, corruption and spiritual emptiness. That's, those, are, those are pretty vague terms. And we could fill that with what we believe to be corruption and um, spiritual emptiness, but we wouldn't mean the same thing that he means. So what does he mean by this? Well, he, he talks about the solution. And he says that the solution has to be global in nature. And this is where the globalism really takes root. These are global problems that, that require a global solution. Um, here's a quote from him. These problems, says Rick Warren, are so big, nobody's been able to solve them. The U.S. hasn't solved them. The U.N. hasn't solved them. So notice he's ramping it up. A nation, one of the world's foremost nations, hasn't solved these problems. 
And then the United Nations hasn't solved these problems. Um, nobody's solved them. And I think it's because it's going to take a three-pronged strategy to do this. There is a role for the public sector. There is a role for the private sector. And there is a role for the faith sector. Now, notice that these things are supposed to be separate, se separated. So you've got the public and the private and the faith sector, and they're working towards the same goals, but he's, he makes it pretty clear that they don't really overlap in terms of their powers. So we've already got some pietism in there. Um, yeah. But continuing on, he said this, each of them can do something that none of the other three can do. Government has a role to set agenda. Government has a role to set agenda. Government has a role to set priorities and things like that and move nations. And there are some things that only governments can do. Businesses have a role, which they have. Uh, he was being redundant there. <laughs> they, they bring expertise. They bring investments. They bring all kinds of innovations to the market. But then also houses of worship have things that business and government will never have. In the first place, we have universal distribution. The church was global 200 years before DeVos started talking about globalization. So you see that the government gets to set the agenda. And by the way, if he's not talking about the U.S. and he's not talking about the U.N., he's not talking about a national government. He's not talking about a supranational government with multiple nations. He's talking about a global government um, agenda. That's what he's talking about. Um, they yeah, get to set the agenda. Sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, he doesn't hide it. He's very upfront no, he, with what he That's means. exactly right. He, he does not hide that. He is incredibly upfront. And so the, um, the government gets to set the role, and then the businesses, uh, the private sector, gets to be in service of the government in terms of um, expertise, investments, money, things like that. And then the houses of worship are essentially what? They are a universal distribution arm of what? What's being distributed in churches? according to Rick Warren's view. Well, it's not the gospel, because clearly if it were the gospel, no. Rick Warren would be distributing the gospel. No, it is the agenda that the government, um, this global government will have. That is what the church needs to universally distribute, according to Rick Warren's view. It's mm -hmm. pretty clear from all the context clues and everything that he says outright that this is the view that he takes. So it's propaganda. It's globalist oh, yeah. propaganda that the church has to distribute. It's, I mean, I could go in so many different directions with that, but suffice it to say yeah. that there is nowhere in scripture where it says that the church must act in service of globalist propaganda at the hands of secular government. It just doesn't exist. Well, and I mean, just, he puts the church as something subordinate to the government. Right. And not in the sense that, you know, the uh, a Christian is to obey the governing authorities as long as they do not contradict God's uh, law, but he's putting them as a sub, a subordinate entity, just as private business. It's funny how he talks about, uh, 
I guess he doesn't use the word private business. See, I inserted that in there in my mind. Uh, mm -hmm. He does say private sector at one point, but he, he does talk about businesses. He he doesn't call them yeah. private businesses, well, but yeah, he and the, he but that's the point is he's putting the businesses. He's he's applying business as subordinate to government. Business is are uh, submissive to the government and they exist at the whim of the government. Right. He's talking about, he's not talking about private business. He's talking about a, uh, he's not talking about capitalism to be clear. So this is, about is, is this a global government controls. socialism? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's saying that the government should have that same level of authority over the church to the point where they can dictate that the church needs to be distributing propaganda. It's yeah. terrifying. And now he, here, if he means something different, I'm going to play a thought experiment with you about benefit of the doubt and why benefit of the doubt is not what you think it is. If he means something different, then he failed in his communication. Nothing in that in what he says could mean anything different than how we have broken it down, or at least not to any substantive difference. Mm -hmm. Now, if he meant something different, he used the wrong words. And that is what we have to take him at. We have to take him at his word. Yeah. Giving someone the benefit of the doubt does not mean you reinterpret in a charitable way what they clearly said, it means you go when there is a doubt, when there is a lack of clarity, you will suspend your judgment on that until you go seek additional clarity. Does not mean you interpret it to mean the opposite. It just means you're going to go and get additional clarity. Yeah. Nothing of what well, he I mean, said was vague, though. No, it wasn't. And he said plenty of things, and, and it's all consistent with this narrative of globalism. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's not as and, – and it's it's a pretty – it, I couldn't give a better description of what globalism should look like if I were in the shoes of a globalist than what he said. It, it, it's, yeah. it's not like he's he's kind of accidentally saying things that kind of sound globalistic, but he doesn't mean it. It's pretty clear, given the context um, and given the actual words that he says, what his intent is. And now it is very important for us to say, all right, well, we need to be considering the intentions of the people that we talk about when they use these words. If we're interpreting them mm -hmm. to mean something that they don't mean, that's a problem. But here it's crystal clear. We're not looking at um, something where he's kind of being vague and he's he's – He's not really, um, he's not really taking a firm stance. No, this is him taking a firm stance, and all the context clues point to it. Um, the actual mm -hmm. structures of his sentences point to these things. Yeah, he couldn't have this meant was not something an off the cuff else. speech either. This was a prepared speech. These words were chosen words. That's exactly not, right. Uh, but uh, man, this is a so, video that he produced for the World Economic Forum, and he talks about all these things. Uh, another thing that I want to bring up real quick is just the fact that. He, if you're not convinced already, he, he also talked about um, what it means for the church to be in service of this on a practical level. Um, he says this, the church 
Uh, we, the church, have hundreds of millions of people who volunteer around the world in villages and cities on a weekly basis, and we don't have to pay them. Uh, the third thing is that they have uh, local credibility. So he's, he's giving a, a list of different things. And um, for some reason, I omitted the first thing. But the, the, the second thing here that he talks about is that the church has hundreds of millions of people who volunteer around the world in villages and cities. Um, the third thing is that there's local credibility. Um, oh, actually, no. The second thing is that we don't have to pay them. I, I get where he's going. Um, sorry, it's it's hard to kind of break down what he's saying. He's not a he's not a particularly particularly articulate guy. Uh, the third thing is that they have local credibility at the local level. People trust that the priest or that pastor or for that matter any imam or rabbi, uh, the religious leader of their faith, because he's marrying, he is burying, and he is helping them to go through the stages of life. When crisis comes, uh, non-governmental organizations, NGOs, come and go. Nations come and go. But, for instance, the church has a 2,000-year track record. So he's talking about various instances of global crisis. And he's saying that the church needs to be a distribution arm for um, the government agenda. And then he explains in practical terms why the church is the perfect vessel for that. It, it, he mm -hmm. couldn't have gotten any clearer. He really couldn't have gotten any clearer. Well, and he, he also clarifies that he sees an, uh, an imam or a rabbi as on equal spiritual value as a priest or pastor. Yeah. Yeah. That they, I, again, it goes back and to the Islam thing. You can't get around that with him. But and, and that's why he says, for yeah. instance, the church has a 2,000-year track record because he's including other religions in this actually subtly. Yeah. Um, he's including Islam. He's including Judaism um, and, and not just like Messianic Judaism. He's including like secular and reform and Orthodox Judaism, which specifically reject Christ. So mm -hmm. he's he's talking about the church in this way. And then he, I, I think he actually kind of slips up when he talks about the imams or the rabbis. Um, and then he he has to clarify, for instance, the church has a 2000 year track record because he wants to talk about the fact that religions in general have this ability to push this uh, one world order uh, globalist um, propaganda uh, agenda. Yeah, and this is the heart of wokeness. The heart of wokeness is pushing these secular cultural Marxist narratives, uh, pushing towards these kind of globalist agendas, pushing the ball forward for the elites, seeking this man-made utopia. Uh, and that... That is the same thing that the Wokies on racial issues or LGBT issues or uh, issues of uh, gender and other things. I mean, gender as in like male and female, not transgenderism. Man, language is getting hard nowadays because words are being yeah. devalued. But uh, yeah. They're pushing it on true. these these little singular issues. Rick Warren's like, nah, guys, 
I don't want to worry about the small things. I just want to go straight to the the globalism. I want to go straight to the the Marxism. Uh, I want to bypass all the the individual issues. But let's. I think there's something really valuable to kind of wrap up Rick Warren's story on. Now, you can go to uh, our article on Wikipedia about Rick Warren to get, I mean, we've been quoting directly from it. Uh, there is much more information there, and we are constantly working on expanding and improving the articles as well. Uh, the website is gonna be getting a massive uh, overhaul uh, on top of everything else. So there's even more coming. You want the details, go to the website. But Rick Warren, Abortion, relevant this week, COVID-19, I'm just popping off a few words. Uh, <laughs> what do all those things have in common? Uh, what? <laughs> just give, give us, give us, just give hmm. it to us. Rick Warren, COVID-19, uh, abortion. Uh, well, let's, let's think about who might be in common. Um, who, who the commonality might be between all of those things. Uh, it would be an individual by the name of Francis Collins, and we'll do another episode on him later um, because he deserves oh, his own. Oh, yeah. Um, but Francis Collins uh, is the same, one and the same guy. We also have an article on him on wikipedia.com, or, well, it will be wikipedia.com here pretty soon um, mm -hmm. when we get the revamp, um, but on Wikipedia anyway. Uh, you can look him up and uh, see that we've got um, some pretty strong admissions from him that he thinks that it is totally justifiable to use the tissue of uh, unborn uh, aborted fetal, um, uh, unborn aborted uh, baby tissue um, for the purposes of science. Now, he's not saying that, you know, you can go out, you should be able to go out and get an abortion necessarily. Um, it, when he says that, but the implication there is that, well, if you're going to get an abortion, I mean, we can we can use it for science, right? So um, he, he buys into the um, Joseph Fletcher situational bioethics idea that, um, well, I mean, it's not like it was our fault that the kid got aborted. So we're going to use the tissue anyway, just because it's, you know, it, 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 it's kind of neutral at that point. No, it's not morally neutral. You shouldn't be using the dead body parts of aborted um I, children yeah. for, for the purposes to put of it this way he he's willing to pay an assassin to dispose of the body for for the assassin that's exactly like, it if someone did that you'd call them gross you'd call them a monster you'd uh probably call them an accessory to the murder and you'd definitely call the uh, police <laughs> you definitely call the police yet this is, this is exactly what Francis Collins was admitting to doing and thinks is a good thing. You're not redeeming the evil by doing that. You're expanding the evil. You're encouraging the... You're paying, literally paying mm -hmm. the, the murderers, encouraging them to do what? Continue to murder. Ah! Yeah. But... Yeah. Go yeah, I mean, even please. if even if it's even if it's donating, even if they're donating the um, the remains of the unborn children, 
um, who have been uh, just tragically murdered by um, by mothers and doctors. The reality is that you're still getting rid of the body for the murderer. You're doing a service for the murderer, ultimately, mm-hmm. one way or you're, the other. Now, no really, what it is, what though, is they, they pay good sums of money for that. It's not like, you know, usually that gets donated. It, it Usually those body parts go for a, a pretty penny um, or mm-hmm. a very ugly penny, I should say. So much money but, um, that what, even though does, uh, Planned Parenthood says it's only 3% of their their business, uh, they're now shutting down in states that are <laughs> heavily restricting abortion. Uh, yeah, no, I, I've never heard of a business money. shutting down as a result of losing 3% of their business. I've never heard of it's that happening. Maybe it's happened, but I've never heard of it. They, they manipulated it, and it's, <laughs> the, the claim is it's 3% of the services, but then where's their revenue? Oh, well, it's... Three percent like of the service the can revenue. provide a lot more than three percent of the revenue. Anyway, gross yeah, stuff. Yeah. Rick well, Warren. Here, here, here's where Rick Warren yeah. gets into this. So, it, Rick Warren isn't really talking about the abortion stuff, as far as I'm aware. Although, if that uh, if that comes to my attention that he has done that, we're absolutely going to be um, adding that to Wikipedia so that you know about it. But the fact is that Rick Warren um, and Francis Collins are. Um, are kind of in the same um, in the same vein regarding this stuff about COVID nineteen. So so Warren mm-hmm. has acted as um, he has failed to act, I should say, as a voice in favor of the church's right to act in accordance with God's will um, regarding um, the 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 way that we should have responded to COVID um, because the Bible doesn't really give an exception for. Um, whether or not the church should continue being the church in times of crisis. Do we have a link to the video? If not, I'll link it in the description of this podcast. But do we have a link to the video of uh, of Rick Warren and Francis Collins discussing together uh, and Rick Warren just gushing over how much uh, I'll he loves find Francis that out. Collins? I'll find that out. If we don't, we'll, we'll we link do it for you so you can see that. We want you to have evidence and information uh, right because this stuff is crazy but the, 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 so so the reality here is that um when when we think when we see the narrative that they're both pushing um they're they're both pushing the same idea that um we need to um we we need to love our neighbors uh as ourselves, and that this is a part of that so he says this Uh, Rick Warren said that the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. The most practical way right now, you can love your neighbor as yourself, wear a mask, okay? And to not one basically, to not wear one basically says, I don't care about you, or I don't even care about your fears. Um, And uh, I think that was in a different interview. I may have been mistaken about that. But regardless, this is the same thing that uh, Francis Collins says. This is um, the the narrative that's being pushed by those who are in high places of authority, both in the church and in the secular world, um, regarding what Christians ought to be doing regarding yeah, COVID nineteen. And then um, what you can see here is that he's dude. talking about the second greatest commandment. He's say, he's saying love your neighbor as yourself. That's what Jesus identifies as the second greatest commandment. And he's saying that in order to do that, you have to follow the government's rules about um, operating your church or even just 
whether or not you are wearing a mask um, needs to be in the service of the government. Now, this goes right in line yep. with what he's doing with this globalist narrative that we just talked about. Yep. Um, yep. But it's I just evidence to support the the claim that we're making. Yes, that's exactly right. So so he's talking about this mask wearing stuff that you have to do that to love your neighbor. Um, and then uh, he he didn't come out against this narrative that we had that we as churches had to shut down in order to be loving to our neighbors. In fact, he promotes that. Um, the and woke preacher clips uh, has clips on this as well. Um, woke preacher clips. I just want to give you a shout out. I don't know who you are. Who's the guy behind that? But uh, keep up the good work, man. Because it, first of all, it is very eye opening. Second of all, it's very entertaining. Um, so uh, so keep that up. But um, yeah. So when it comes to Rick Warren and how he operates, he operates in this same circle. Um, as people like Francis Collins, and he he promotes this medical Marxist narrative that you've got to obey the government um, within the sphere of the church, because apparently the government's sphere of influence and sphere of authority actually transcends the church um, and overarches the church, which is just the opposite of what the Bible actually says. And we'll do an episode on Romans 13 eventually. I, I would love to get Matt Truella <laughs> on the podcast. We'll see about that. Um but uh, we'll do we'll do an episode on Romans 13 in, in the right interpretation of that. But suffice it to say that Romans 13 doesn't say submit to government tyranny. It doesn't say that. Um, nowhere in the Bible does it say submit to the government over God when the two are pitted against one another. In fact, it says that if you're not submitting to God, if you are more concerned about the fear, uh, your fear of man than you are of your fear of God, then you've got a massive problem on your hands. Um, and mm -hmm. Kyle, Rick Warren certainly has that massive problem on his hands. I mean, we've talked about all of this stuff um, regarding his therapeutic language, his, uh, his, his watering down of the gospel. We've talked about his seeker sensitivity. We've talked about Chris Lum. We've talked about the World Economic Forum. We've briefly touched on his stuff regarding COVID. With all of this evidence, we have no choice. But to include you, Rick Warren, if you're listening to this, on Wikipedia as an enemy within the church. Um, I'm sorry to say it, but that's just the way that it has to be done. Actually, no, I'm not really sorry. It's uh, I'm not apologizing for that. It's just the reality. I'm sorry for you that you have put yourself in that position. But that is the position that you've put yourself in, and you've got to take responsibility for it. So we call uh, Rick Warren to repentance. Um, so that uh, those mm -hmm. people that he's influenced um, all over the United States and across the world really um, would come to see what it looks like when someone of that caliber repents and actually starts preaching what the Bible says rather than what tickles the ears of the listeners. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. That's the thing about it is we've got to call it out. We've got to be clear in the calling out. Uh, because this is stuff that will get the church off track, that will corrupt the message of the gospel. I mean, that's why we started with that first on Rick. His foundation was not solid, and the fruit of that has been rotten. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the biggest thing, you know what? I'm going to say it this way. Rick Warren 
Jesus Christ died and rose according to the scriptures so that you who are dead in your sins and trespasses against an all holy God, against God's perfect law, you, a sinner, might have a way through repentance and belief on Jesus Christ can be reconciled to God. Rick, you need to get that straight. You need to get your house in order. And one thing here at Wikipedia, we are not here as a source of entertainment to just bash people. We are not here to just uh, throw accusations. We research everything. Again, links, go to Wikipedia, go read the articles, go see for yourself, verify. But beyond that, when we mention someone, that is an invitation. That is an invitation. You wanna come on here and try and clarify and defend your position? Be ready for pushback, because we're gonna bring it, we're gonna bring it hard, but, yeah, you want to you want to try and clarify things. You want to try and defend things. We'll give you that opportunity. It's not mm -hmm. going to be a platform for you to just spew your views. But Rick Warren, you want to come on our you want to come on the Wikipedia podcast. I would love. I would love to engage with you on these things and see your explanation for why you are not corrupting God's god's truth god's gospel god's church remember you can reach out to us at contact wikipedia at gmail.com the links for that as well are in the description of the podcast uh we hope that this has been helpful useful we hope that you are seeing why we would put rick warren in the category of enemy within the church why we would call him woke and again this is only a fraction of who rick warren is and the issues that he has gotten himself into but with that give us your feedback engage with this help us understand if we need more information less information well i hope not less information well but what is, what are your questions about Rick Warren? Let us know. We want to help answer those. So contact us. Uh, go down in the description. See the links, uh, how you can get involved. And remember, don't go woke. Don't go woke. Don't and do don't it, people. follow in the footsteps of the wolves in shepherd's clothing. No, stick close to God and may God bless you throughout your week.